It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hey, folks, welcome back. It is part two of uh, American Losers Presents the Bay of Pigs Invasion, uh, which obviously didn't go well because it's being mentioned on this show. <laughs> so if you checked out episode one, uh, we gave you a great primer. We talked about the coup in Guatemala. We talked about setting up a lot of the players here. So we're not going to do too much of a, a retread to try to re-explain anything for you because I really do want people to listen to part one of this bad boy if you're going to get the full appreciation for it. But if you don't know about the show and for some reason this is your first time listening to it, my name's KP Burke. I'm your host. I'm a uh, stand-up comic in the great state of New Jersey. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, I might have been relocated down to Jacksonville, Florida for a couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. But I'm not doing February up here during a lockdown, Dad. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so. I hear you with that. But uh, that uh, voice right there, by the way, the deep baritone voice of uh, my dilf of a dad, Lawrence Patrick Burke, my co-host here for the show, uh, the, the marvelous Ming Chen, uh, the owner of the studio, the boss man himself behind the ones and twos. They take great care of us here, Mike and Ming, over to Shared Universe Podcast Studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. This is our home studio. If we have to do some remote shit in the next couple of weeks, so be it. But um, we're going to make this thing happen. OK, so I'm it'll excited. always come back to the home court. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, you never forget your first. Um, <laughs> I certainly don't. I check on her Facebook every now and then just to see what's going on. So um, but all that being said, we laid out some great groundwork here, LP. Uh, and you and I are uh, officially wearing our tinfoil hats. For, absolutely. Uh, this part. Got to keep the government out of your brainwaves. It uh, it gets a little nervous. It's gonna get it's gonna get wild and wooly here. Oh yeah. What do you you what's up? You guys always think there's these conspiracy theories. What's up with that, man? It's like no no no. Wikipedia. <laughs> these are declassified documents. The CIA has apologized for this. Bill Clinton said sorry publicly for the shit we're about to talk about. Okay. Um, it's pretty wild times here. So you have uh, uh the the incoming president uh is. A lot of people thought Nixon would be a shoe in because he was a lifelong politician. And, uh, you know, this uh, this senator from Massachusetts from a pretty respectable bootlegging family is <laughs> right. uh, running against him. But he's a handsome, confident guy. He's very young, energetic. He's a war hero. And that is uh, he's actually going to win the uh, the presidency over Richard Nixon. Nixon probably would have inherited the plan directly from Eisenhower and probably kept a lot of the same players and uh, names around. Uh, in order to execute this uh, proposed land invasion of this troublesome little island nation known as Cuba that is now under the control of a guy who's going to be coming out as uh, as firmly communist now uh, after the Americans have kind of aggravated him a little bit more. He's making fiery speeches at the UN. He's best friends with Nikita Khrushchev, the premier of the very feared Soviet Union, who is continuing to absorb countries in Eastern Europe and parts of Asia now, and then starting to knock on the doors of these Latin American countries, which gets us a little bit nervous because there goes the neighborhood. Is, yeah, uh, <laughs> really. There goes the neighborhood for sure. And Eisenhower's domino theory proves correct that uh, if one one uh, nation falls uh, surrounding all the neighbors are going to go too. so there literally there goes the neighborhood 
And uh, you can tell that Castro's a democratically elected guy because uh, he's going to stay in power until 2008, I believe. Yeah, I think was, uh, uh, Castro was in power through uh, eight different presidential uh, administrations. So oh, yeah. uh, he, he outlived a lot of the, the American president or out out uh, administered <laughs> yeah. um, a number of different uh, U.S. presidencies. And the time frame, um, just to catch up here, it's 1960. We've got um, Vice President um, uh, Nixon running against um, this newcomer, uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy actually wins the election. Uh, a lot of it is attributed to um, just the way Nixon came across for one of the first televised debates that uh, Nixon got all sweaty on the televised debates and Jack Kennedy was looking like the cool, calm, collected uh, guy. And uh, Kennedy comes into office and his inaugural speech is the famous uh, ask not what you can do, what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Which sounds like some Republican uh, bullshit. If you ask. <laughs> Teasing, man. Democratic. But uh, uh, um, yeah, and he's he's um, kind of bringing a, a breath of fresh air, if you will, into uh, into American politics, if you will. That we've got this young, energetic. Uh, we're going to change the world. Uh, we're going to set up the the Peace Corps, and we're going to help help spread democracy by helping people and everything else. And uh, you know, while he's on the campaign trail. He becomes uh, a little more involved with what Eisenhower's uh, plan might be um, as far as uh, the Cuban uh, situation is, uh, you know, the questions that Cuba is bringing up. Because now you want to say a lot of things here. There's a million things you can be saying about the guys. However, the uh, there are star the big differences between Eisenhower and Kennedy. By the way, both World War II heroes here, too, as well. That's another thing worth mentioning. And then in addition to that is also that uh, both of them are firm anti-communists, that there is a legit fear here. And that there was nobody who was, you know, if you were courting the, the communist vote back then, they were you'd be absolutely ridiculed. There'd be no way because neither party was really tolerating that at this point because you're seeing routine human rights violations occurring uh, in countries that are, uh, you know, accepting this red wave, if you will. The domino theory has been proven to be very real, which means that when one country falls, other countries around it are almost immediately susceptible to also falling. So your paranoia is uh, starting to pay off and be proven to be real here. And uh, again, at the time, Ike has put together this plan uh, that's going to require a land invasion of Cuba. And it's, it's uh, this, the CIA is kind of running this op here. And uh, Eisenhower has said out loud that I know of no better plan to remove Castro than the one that we've come up with here. So as I said, the issue is unlike a dictator uh, in the form of Fidel Castro, and uh, again, to a degree, the uh, Khrushchev, who's going to serve quite a bit of time uh, as the premier of the Soviet Union, uh, they get to pull off their agenda over a longer period of time. But America now has this new president in John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who was being briefed by Castro on the regular. You're right, Dad. Um, but a lot of the critics- Briefed by who? Um, I'm sorry. You just said briefed by Castro. Uh, might as well have been briefed by oh, Castro. Oh, briefed on Castro. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. All right. He was being briefed on Castro uh, actually by uh, Alan Dulles, the head of the CIA, who, again, we mentioned. Yeah, no, he's, he's a political can He's a candidate. He's a presidential candidate at that time when uh, Mr. Dulles pays him a visit and kind of briefs him on what Ike's plan is as to how we're going to handle Cuba. So uh, before he's even president, he's privy to uh, some of the plans that the the previous administration has, has dealt, uh, has dreamed up. 
And uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of wild stuff going on over here. Uh, it's important, though, because uh, many critics of Kennedy, uh, which would include, uh, you know, Americans who didn't vote for him, people who wanted or would have preferred Nixon because they thought that was a continuation of some of the Eisenhower policies, who was quite popular during his time. Um, and this is also a pre-Watergate Nixon, um, so that, that he doesn't have the, uh, the the air of evil that Hunter S. Thompson is going to throw onto him later. But um, there's a lot of people thinking that uh, this JFK guy, yeah, he, he's a young, handsome guy and he speaks well, but does he know what the fuck he's talking about? This sounds like another – this is a rich kid who lives in a Kennedy compound right. whose daddy was a bootlegger that used his money and he's got some trophy wife and he's walking around and, uh, you know, this guy they, – they literally thought of him, Khrushchev and Castro, as an illiterate uh, – Playboy. That's what they thought he was, an illiterate millionaire playboy. That's what he was called by. That was quoted, I believe, from Castro. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just thought that Kennedy was going to be some young guy who was just going to walk around and try to fuck everything that moved. And he was. Um, <laughs> right. But he was also pretty smart. Kennedy had a deep knowledge of uh, history and a, a passion and knowledge for it and also a very solid geopolitical background. He was involved post-World War II. Kennedy's career is pretty fascinating. That's where you start to see him... Um, Acknowledging the the use of uh, uh, special forces, um, and uh, you know having a deep respect for that, and understanding covert ops, and then the G there, there's great images of him walking around with different leaders, you know, not knowing he's going to be president one day, but just in the background, you're like, holy shit, is that JFK in the background of that photo here? Yeah, you know, it's like when uh, we're all taking photos with uh, Kahuna and sitting there, and be like, this is our sound engineer, and then Grammy winner Christian Cortez <laughs> in a couple of years. Right. I knew him when. <laughs> exactly. We gave away his real name, and we should have done that on Patreon for uh, the, the $10 above tiers, but whatever. You guys know who it is. Um, we'll, we'll let him cover his story one day. But uh, it's important to mention this part. In May of 1960, in order to ensure the U.S. sugar embargo on Cuba, we've now placed these economic sanctions on them. We're not taking any Cuban sugar in anymore. And the idea is that that's going to cripple the economy of Cuba. However, Castro strikes a deal, and he just goes, he goes, oh, well, uh, you know, Russia seems to need sugar. So let me call up my good old buddy Khrushchev. What's going on, buddy? How you doing over there, man? Listen, I got all this sugar. You guys want to, you know, maybe throw a little bit in the borscht or something for me? What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. And help, help a brother out. Exactly. And they go ahead and Castro strikes the deal. It's now sending the majority of the products. Now all this great Cuban sugar that the Americans have been using forever that, again, as you mentioned, Dad Bacardi was using in its rum, uh, is now sending the majority of their product over to our goddamn enemies at the USSR. Right, right. And by by May of 60, uh, Castro has already um, has already seen that this guy is just another corrupt uh, dictator himself, that he's not going to be the freedom fighter for the Cuban people. But he's he's uh, he's doing some some he, bad shit. You tell sure. me he broke the wild horse that he referred to as Castro. <laughs> no, I would say I'm, what I'm saying is Castro has now proven himself that uh, he's not. The freedom fighter for exactly. the Cuban people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that he's just taking over stuff and he's becoming a dictator rather than. But, you know, is his dictatorship is it? We've had uh, dictators that had leanings towards the American interests, and we've also had dictators that had communist leanings. So, which way is this guy going to fall? The American uh, business interests, well, well, we declare an embargo on, on Cuban sugar. So now he's left with. You know, no other recourse really to try to sell it someplace else. So it, it definitely puts the Cuban economy uh, into the into the shitter. So uh, what are you going to do to help your, help your economy out as you're going to find a, a new buyer? So Oh, yeah. Uh, America is pestering him in any way, shape or form possible. And uh, it gets to the point now where by January of 1961, 
JFK actually severs diplomatic ties with Cuba. There is no, we're not going to figure out a middle ground here. I'm done talking to these people. Let me try to take a little bit of a hard line in the sand, if you will, and realizes that action is going to have to be taken. You have to find a way to remove this firebrand communist from Cuba that's literally aiding your biggest enemy in the world. The Cold War is going on here. This Cold War thing is starting to be spoken about. And Kennedy is is pretty serious about trying to end the thing. Yeah. In January of 61, uh, Kennedy just came into office. I mean, he was elected in the uh, campaign of 60. So now his inauguration is in January. And one of the first things he does is that we, we declare... Um, severing diplomatic ties with Cuba. So, yeah, things are are heating up. I think about this one all the time, too. Whenever you talk about the transition to power for um, presidents, it's always, uh, oh, wow, we really inherited a shit sandwich there. I don't think anybody inherited a bigger shit sandwich than Kennedy, where it's like, hey, by the way, so um, this little button right here uh, essentially ends the world. Right. And you might have to push it sooner than you think. Right. Uh, because uh, all of our enemies are kind of uh, ganging up. Oh, and by the way, uh, the closest one that they're starting to, we have a problem. It's about 90 uh, miles off the shore of Miami. Could be a thing. So the uh, good old Mr. Dulles is uh, ready to greet um, JFK with a good plan, though, to help him try to end this Cold War. Uh, this play had worked in the last playoff game, as we mentioned, with the coup in Guatemala, right, in which both uh, Dulles brothers were heavily involved. Um, the the elder Dulles, Robert Foster Dulles, I believe, yeah. um, he has since passed away. He died in 1959, I think. Uh, Alan Dulles is now running the CIA's. Uh, again, as we said, very busy guy. He's got to um, test acid on uh, unsuspecting soldiers, um, you know, get people to throw themselves out of uh, windows for threatening to go forward uh, public with secrets. Um there's a lot of crazy stuff going on here, too, but he's also very instrumental in what they assume is going to be a successful coup. Why not? This shit worked in Iran. This shit worked in uh, Guatemala. There's a couple other places. We've overthrown, we've overthrown other governments in the past, too, with the banana wars. Why wouldn't this shit work now for Cuba that's really being a problem here? The other countries were just kind of mild annoyances. Cuba's actually a goddamn problem. So, Yeah, our CIA director... Um Allen um, was the CIA director under Eisenhower, but he didn't change when Kennedy came in. Uh, Kennedy kept him on as the. You talking about unelected officials that are making big decisions, Dad? Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I kind of am, Kev. Put uh, your tinfoil uh, hat on. As hard as that is to understand, and um, you know the CIA, we we knew we had a CIA, but we really didn't know what their involvement was, and obviously Kennedy was was. Uh, um, Making use of, of that tool in his toolbox, if you will. But he was also, as you said, too, that, you know, we're setting up special forces that we can send in small groups into various countries to kind of change people's minds, um, along with uh, secretive CIA type stuff, uh, one way or the other. Um, Eisenhower's signed off on the plan that uh, the CIA was going to round up or recruit um, Cuban exiles, that once the Batista government was um, um, shut down by Castro, um, a lot of these exiles then fled to the United States, a large, large number in the Miami area. Uh, What's what's the closest next big city from Havana is is Miami. Uh, So they're going there. And, uh, you know, Eisenhower's plan was to set up a, an invasion, you know, um, very similar to what worked back in Europe during the Second World War. And uh, there was going to be strong military support 
um, U.S. military support of the Navy and the and the Air Force. Yeah, so a naval blockade is going to come in there. You're going to have the Navy to secure things. You're also going to have some of the best fighter pilots in the world and best bomber pilots in the world uh, giving air support. So why wouldn't you be able to then have this organic force? Because, again, they were recruiting, like you said, Cuban exiles. And that was not a hard um, – that wasn't a difficult uh, recruiter position here. It's like, hey, do you want to win your country back? Yes. Cuban people are very proud people. Right. Um, extremely proud people. Um and uh, it, it's it's not hard to get them fired up about the idea of overthrowing Castro because he's now being seen as a bastard. Uh, you want to know anything about anything you need to know is, uh, uh, you know, about the Cuban people. Uh, just mention Castro around them or, uh, you know, any yeah. sympathy towards him. Wear a Che Guevara shirt around a Cuban and find out how quickly they got a, a couple of opinions for you. Right. But yeah. And, and meanwhile, I mean, back in Cuba, uh, Castro was rounding up, um, rounding up uh, suspected uh anti-Castro people and having them executed. He's rounding up. Executed, thrown into jail and disappearing. Um, the police department, I believe, uh, later on is uh, paraded out in public uh, and then executed uh, publicly. Right. So, there's 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 public uh, hearings or trials that, you know, you got 17,000 people in a stadium witnessing the, the trial of uh, some of these former Batista government officials. And if they were found not guilty, uh, Castro orders, uh, 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 well, let's let's retry this. Let's try it again, boys, and see if you can come up with a different uh, different outcome. And people are just vanishing. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Escape from L.A. when uh, they tell Snake Plissken and he can win his freedom by uh, scoring, uh, what's he going to score? Uh, three pointers from the half court. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, a weird move. But as the crowd cheers because they're like, oh, we get to see a death today, that kind of a thing. It, it A little bit too um, more historically based, um, the, uh, the Jacobins uh, for the French Revolution, where it was kangaroo courts, where it was, uh, you, we've deemed you an enemy of the people. And uh, it, it became a show of sorts to watch the uh, the National Razor, the guillotine be uh, displayed here. So yep. Castro's definitely, there's no, don't get me wrong. The United States looks bad in a lot of this, but they're not rounding up people and executing them uh, in the streets, uh, in public view. And uh, there's not that that consolidation of power that uh, Castro's now able to to whip out here we do have a balance of government we had a pretty good system here executive legislative and uh judicial you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you can't uh we do some bad shit but we can't do bad shit on the scale that a dictator can do it so all right so i mean eisenhower i think in a nutshell eisenhower's plan was to have a much greater military presence u.s military presence to aid the cuban exiles who are now being recruited by the cia to go back and to to win back their uh their their, their own country their cuban and and to interject um revolutionaries with if you will or insurgents into the cuban population to try to overthrow castro so that was the plan under eisenhower kennedy comes in and, you know, things are not getting any better with uh, the whole uh, sugar embargo and uh, the Soviets now buying up and becoming closer, stronger allies with uh, with Fidel. With, yeah, everything with we're doing is just pushing him further into the arm. It's almost like uh, uh, 
Castro is uh, 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 the daughter of, uh, you know, the United States. The United States is like that. He's just wrong for you. You don't understand. He can be very sweet sometimes. He's yeah. the only one who really understands me. Right. He always apologizes after he smacks me around. Exactly. He took his hat <laughs> off before decking me once like yeah. a gentleman. But a lot of wild shit going on here. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, the Dulles brothers there, I'm sorry, not, not the Dulles brothers, Alan Dulles is advising the, the use of the Navy as well as these bomber planes in order to aid the exiles that they're now training. Uh, out in Guatemala, in the jungles of Guatemala. Um, these guys are getting trained. And it's public knowledge, too, by the way. There's a New York Times article that literally says United States forces training anti-Castro uh, uh, brigade in the jungles of Guatemala. Yeah, the whole idea was that they were going to, uh, the CIA was going to secretly recruit these Cuban exiles and train them um, with U.S. assistance, but all on the hush-hush, all on the quiet, so that uh, we could just go in and we're, we're now going to be able to help these Cuban exiles win back their country from this uh, communist dictator, Castro. Um, but they're not training. They're not training them on American soil because that would be too much of a direct link to American involvement. Again, this was going to be all on the on the quiet. So where are they going to where are they going to train these guys? Well, we already took had a, a coup take place by CIA involvement in Guatemala. So let's train these guys in Guatemala, and it's just going to be a bunch of. Uh, Cuban exiles who just decided to get, get together in Guatemala and, mm. and do some, do a little training, do a little drilling. Soldier stuff, sir. <laughs> Army stuff, sir. And by the way, Castro, because again, um, the Cuba is largely being cut off from uh, a lot of news sources from the outside world and stuff. Um, they're able to operate in this shroud of secrecy, almost like Belichick in New England, where the, the reporters don't know well, who's who's starting. At, right. You know, We're controlling the government in Guatemala. So what better place is to have a secret base? Um, you know, uh, is that out of the playbook of the of the Taliban training in Afghanistan that uh, ah. <laughs> they're, they're in the quiet there? But anyhow, um, they're in Guatemala. They're doing the training. The Guatemalan government is completely controlled by U.S. interests and the CIA. Um, well, that's the problem. Again, I want to mention that New York Times article uh, again yeah. just for a second because that is being put out into the papers um, so that anybody who just casually is a, a subscriber to the New York Times is now aware that there's an anti-Castro force being trained by the U.S. operating in Guatemala. However, secretly, exactly. secretly trained by the U.S., but the secret's out. I mean, when you're when the New York Times is running a front page uh, cover story on the training of these mm -hmm. Cuban exiles, it's really not a secret. Yeah, more at eleven. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, in contrast to that, in Cuba. We don't know so much shit that's going on over there because we either can't get people over there. We don't have a boots on the ground thing. It's very hard to get a spy network going over there. We're not sure what information is coming out to the Cuban people themselves. Uh, and also so much so, in fact, that as you mentioned, Dad, Castro is rounding up anybody who might be supporting the U.S. overthrowing him. Anybody who could be deemed an enemy of the state, if you will, has for the most part either been rounded up, is being kept uh, firm eyes on, uh, has either been killed or thrown into jail. Right. right? A political so prisoner. Your police state is going on over right. here. Yeah. Your Absolutely. secret police are rounding up people in the night on this one. Yeah. And we are so ill prepared for that. That uh, Dulles and uh, a couple of the other gentlemen that are going to be advising Kennedy on this, which I want to throw to you in a second for, uh, are guys that are, they believe firmly that all it's going to take is just us landing on the beach 
and the people are almost like the French underground. The resistance is going to be there. We're going right. to repel the Nazis. We're going to get rid of them in Normandy, right? There's going to um, be a popular uprising amongst the Cuban people. Except <laughs> Castro's already gotten rid of anybody who was out loud waving right. a flag against Anybody them. that is suspected, even suspected of being anti-Castro is being rounded up and either thrown into prison or outright executed. And so, that's just another huge yeah. chunk of intel that we just don't have right. in order I for mean, this operation to go down. Castro was able to get the New York Times. I mean, when you're- that, when That's it's all a, it took. Yeah, really. That's and, all it and took. And Khrushchev as well. So the, the, the secret's out big time. It's it's no longer a secret. It's a secret that everybody yeah. knows. New York Times, very popular in Russia. I'm sure they were very excited about that. That the Americans, although they're not admitting it, the Americans are training these uh, Cuban exiles to come in and take over the country. Part of that was to go back to the Guatemalan game plan that you were going to uh, bombard the country with all this propaganda, either through the radio or, or dropping leaflets like they did in Guatemala. Uh, they were going to do the same type of a thing in Cuba, but that never really happened. So you never really did have the groundswell um, within Cuba, either secretively or uh, else, elsewhere um, that... Uh, uh, worked in Guatemala is not working in, in Cuba because Castro's um, dealing with that early on by, as, a, as you said, rounding them up or executing them. Another small byproduct of this thing, too, is that while the move in Guatemala was internationally panned and a lot of people were like, come on, America, what the hell are you doing here? The European countries, specifically uh, England and uh, France, uh, weren't really giving a super hard time to the United States because they were afraid the U.S. was going to get involved in some of their colonies, which were in the Middle East at the time. Right. right. So it was, there well, you go. we can't come down too hard on them because they might come back down hard on us. And it's, right. it's one of those things where it's like uh, it's two guys uh, uh, mudslinging at each other, you know. And, and at least they're they're fighting back the uh, the Red Scare. They're fighting back the, the communists. So Exactly. Um, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of a thing. So Well, now here's the problem. Now, uh, Castro's got himself a, a major, um, a major ally in the Soviet Union, and it's the idea that uh, if you do see an act of aggression at Cuba, Castro's publicly stated at the UN that he won't respond alone. Isn't Cuba will have allies in this? Right. Khrushchev and him are just bestest buds as they can be. And now you have this issue now, where again those that little red button that says "fuck you" and ends the world. Russia's got one too. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of nerve wrackingness here, and. Kennedy's just coming into this thing and Kennedy starts scaling back certain parts of the operation and Dulles and uh, a bunch of the other fellows who I'm going to throw to you in a second for are all telling him like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry, we can we can probably pull this off and scale things back a little bit. Kennedy's quote of the original game plan was this is too over the top. This is too uh, magnificent. It's uh, I can't have this thing looking like D-Day. Right. And and again, he was trying. uh, Kennedy is only in office now three months. Um, when the, uh, Dulles comes to him and saying, you know, we're ready to launch this this invasion of, of Cuba. Meanwhile, none of the background stuff, the, the propaganda, the leaflets and, and the uh, popular groundswell is in place. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that they had originally planned for never really took place. And we'll get into the um, uh, into that in a little bit. But um, uh, Kennedy's secretary of state is a guy by the name of Dean Rusk. And under Kennedy, he's saying this whole this whole Bay of Pigs thing, their original landing site um, 
and in world opinion, if we send in an invasion into Cuba, world opinion is going to go against us that, you know, now the big imperialist uh, sable rattling uh, uh, United States is going in and taking over this little this little country of Cuba. And it's not going to look very well in uh, world opinion. Dean Rusk says that that uh, full on invasion with the Navy and the Air Force, uh, U.S. Navy, the U.S. Air Force backing, the, backing up the uh, the landing force is going to be, his quote was, too noisy that it's going to create too much of a world opinion going against the United States, um, that they're, they're really being the aggressor here. Um, so... Um, Kennedy and and his advisors, Rusk and a number of others, they decided that they're going to scale this back. There was not going to be any direct U.S. involvement. This is just going to be Cubans on Cubans. Uh, how, whether they're trained by the CIA or not, it's just going to be Cubans on Cubans. And we're not going to have a... Uh, uh, a fleet of Navy ships and uh, U.S. Air Force going in as air support and everything else on this invasion. The key We're was plausible deniability. Yeah, all right. There you go. That's exactly the, the exactly the term. And they Kennedy was uh, even favoring to move the initial landing site to another part of the uh, of the island of, of Cuba, uh, where it was more quiet, more remote, less populated. Well, how are you going to have a populated, uh, populous uprising in an unpopulated section of the country kind of a thing? So, it's doomed you know, to fail. It's, it's, it's not going good. The, 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 the game plan is uh, not changing with the current situation. Well, you have, to, uh, you have to take in the guys who are – you're taking a few too many opinions from a few too many people on this thing too. There's a lot of uh, uh, big names that are involved with this one. And uh, again, a lot of those names uh, uh, get wrapped up in this. This becomes um, the uh, uh, the final nail in some of their political career coffins, if you will. Uh, but again, the op is originally going to call for a naval blockade and bomber air support to take out the small but threatening Cuban Air Force. Uh, now, the benefit of this was that they were going to still have the deniability that you, you can't really prove where the bombs were coming from. You know what I mean? They, there wasn't uh, you weren't going to be able to have photographs of these things. There was no way to really prove um, who it was that was dropping the bombs. So uh, and again, the belief is that when the word spreads across the island uh, that there are invaders or, or, you know, heroes returning, conquering heroes back to take their native land. Um, that the Cuban people would then rise up and assist the brigade, which was going to be known as Brigade 2506. Um, these are the people that are the Cuban exiles recruited largely from the Miami area that are training over in Guatemala under CIA um, uh, training, if you will, that they're going to uh, be the, the, the boots on the ground and that it's going to swell into a ground force and it's going to turn into a, a big uh, display of power and that the Castro regime will be crippled uh, very easily. Uh, and this is going to set us up for... April of 1961. Now, before I do, Dad, are there mm. any big names that are whispering in the president's ear that you want to mention real quick? Maybe some guys with maybe some OSS backgrounds, which is the precursor to the CIA. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a guy that uh, it comes to mind uh, throughout uh, this whole thing, uh, a guy that is going to make a big name for himself later on. Uh, 
uh, E. Howard Hunt. E. Howard Hunt was a CIA operative. He started, he got his start really during the Second World War, uh, working for the OSS, which was their Secret Service, if you will, uh, during the Second World War. Once the war ended, Office Truman, of Strategic Services, I believe. Office of Strategic Services, which was, you know, the Secret Service, if you will, of the the, the spy game of the Second World War. Um, when Truman came into power, into presidency, um, he disbanded the OSS. But then, you know, we had the upstart of the of the CIA. E. Howard Hunt uh, comes on to the uh, joins the CIA in 1949. He's actually a uh, a novelist. He's making a name himself for being this uh, novel writer. He never had time for a wife. <laughs> yeah. uh, and. He actually is pretty, you know, fairly accomplished uh, writer. That he wins this award um, for writing for this novel that he that he put out, and he takes the winnings from this award and actually uh, takes himself to Mexico and <laughs> very brilliantly learns to speak Spanish. So, and he sets up a um, he sets up a CIA headquarters, if you will, uh, office in Mexico, and he's very much involved with the whole propaganda campaign against uh, the Guatemalan uh, presidency that was overthrown in 54. So he's making a big name for himself within the CIA. Uh, He's, you know, uh, higher level management, if you will, uh, within the CIA. Uh, he's credited with um, dropping the leaflets and radio broadcasting the propaganda into Guatemala, which proved to be so successful to have the Guatemalans just kind of give up before the fighting really took over. I mean, if you had an army of 500 people that are going to be able to overthrow a, a government, that's, that's uh, exactly <laughs> that, uh, that tells you that they had a pretty good uh they talked a good game anyhow. Uh, he was also to be in charge of the whole propaganda thing against the Cubans. Um, but that never really came to came to fruition. That never really came to light. So that whole aspect of what worked in Guatemala never really came to be um, due to Hunt's failure of setting that whole thing up within Cuba. You know, they were going to inter uh, interject uh, uh uh, Cubans back into Cuba to kind of rally the troops uh, or the, the groundswell of, of popular opinion. Hunt is sent to um, to Miami to start recruiting some of these people that became the brigade that um, was was trained in Guatemala. So he's he's very large in in the recruitment of these Cuban exiles that are now going to go back into Cuba to fight for Cubans' freedom against Castro. Um, Hunt is also very much involved with uh, some uh, civil air patrol uh, shenanigans going on. Ah. It's training down in Louisiana. Um, Louisiana civil air patrol. Yeah, Louisiana, on. and there's there's uh, there's a lot of interconnects that are going to come to light years later. Um, while the the civil air patrol kind of thing that there's. Uh, a guy by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald who's involved with uh, some of this Wait uh, civil, a minute. civil air patrol. Um, are you telling me the United <laughs> Fruit Company has a headquarters in New Orleans? <laughs> I mean, what are you telling? Come on, no, put no, your no. hat on and finish your cigarette. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then there's uh, there's also some uh, mob interconnects here too um, with that civil air patrol with. Uh, 
some of uh, um, uh, Robert Kennedy's involvement with trying to oust the mob out of Louisiana that created some hard feelings amongst the mob. And the, the mob, taking that back, into had some Cuban tie-ins because it was the mob who was controlling the casinos uh, under the Batista regime um, that was uh, creating, uh, you know, this this playland of, of Cuba in Havana. And as so, you mentioned, too, uh, in when Prohibition was hitting, it was very easy to get... Um uh, whiskey from Canada. You could get a Canadian club whiskey would be coming through there. But that's north of the border. What about a little bit south of the yeah. border? Are we able to start bringing in tequila from Mexico and other parts? Oh, what about rum coming out of Puerto Rico and Cuba? Yeah, yeah. there's uh, and, and how did the Kennedy family make their money? Oh, bootlegging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're uh, yeah. <laughs> we really are putting on our tinfoil so hats here today. One of the one of the guys that was very much involved with how they made their money uh, is now uh, trying to drive us out of business. Uh, with the mob in, in Louisiana. But anyhow, there's a, there's a lot, a lot of interconnects here that are going to even get more escalated for all our uh, all our conspiracy theorists uh, down the road. But um, And yet, uh, JFK is assured by his advisors within the CIA uh, and by expressly saying that he can't have the thing looking like D-Day. He doesn't want to have a grandiose, a vo- to quote Pantera, uh, he does not want a vulgar display of power. Um, what he wants is, uh, and he's assured, it will be a small, successful, but clandestine mission. That's what they're setting up for here is uh, things are coming to a boil in 1961. Right. That's what they were, that's what they were hoping for, that, all right, we're not going to have this big land invasion. We're not going to have this D-Day thing going on with the Army and the Air Force uh, backing you up. It's going to be a smaller, uh, clandestine kind of a thing, and then it's just going to be a groundswell of, of uh, popular uh, uh, opinion within Cuba that are going to rise up against uh, Castro. Unfortunately, Castro already took out all of those those people that might be supporting of this whole thing. And we didn't know that. Um, but we didn't know that. Um, and it was uh, E. Howard Hunt's kind of failure to, to bring that about. Um, but, uh, you know, it was also Hunt who recruited all these people. They're now in Nicaragua. But again, the United States is not having a direct involvement with this. This is all done in secrecy. Even though there's a New York Times article about it, this is still in secrecy. Um, the CIA delivers um, some planes, U.S. planes, uh, B-26 bombers, which are tw- twin-engine bombers, um, and they paint them up. They're U.S. planes, but they paint them to look like Cuban planes because the Cuban planes also are B-26 bombers. So, the, you know, it's very similar mo- make and model, if you will, or just d- depending on what color Damn you're Damn you, Lockheed and Martin. <laughs> right. So we're, we're painting these uh, American-supplied planes to look like Cuban planes. And then um, we're not flying them uh, out of Guatemala to support this um, – uh, Cuban exile invasion. Uh, we're sending them out of Nicaragua. Now, how how did we get that? Well, again, that goes back to the whole uh, banana republic kind of a thing that Nicaragua president, who was also a, a you know a U.S. Uh, uh, in, appointee, if you will. Uh, uh, he initially refuses to have anything to do with this uh, Cuban thing. But uh, a suitcase full of money to the tune of $10 million kind of changes his mind. So now he's allowing these uh, U.S. planes painted to look like Cuban planes to fly out of Nicaragua to have an airstrike against the Cuban Air Force prior to the invasion. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but initially, that was going to be a whole lot more planes under the Eisenhower idea than what Kennedy was going to allow. I think uh, uh, it was scaled back. Um, scaled back significantly. And um, it, it wasn't that Kennedy decided how many planes were going to go. It's that he wanted it scaled back because he, he thought that it was too over the top. So then uh, the CIA boys are then able to put things into play like, oh, well, we can still probably pull it off with this much. So just to give a, a timestamp here on this one, too. April 15th. 1961, uh, the group of uh, Cuban exiles known as uh, Brigade uh, 2506 uh, are in a mil uh, American military planes painted to look like Cuban planes so that they can create the uh, auspices that they um, uh, are Cuban defectors when it's time to uh, land back in the Keys, I believe you said. Yeah, right? well, they can they can fly from Nicaragua into Cuban airspace. And not be recognized because they're they're looking like they're just Cuban planes. Yeah. But the idea was that they were going to take out the Cuban Air Force while it was still on the ground. Cuban prior. Air Force only about thirty six planes. Yeah, only way. about thirty. It was a very tiny kind of a thing. But Castro knew that they were coming. So Castro, <laughs> what are you going to do if you, if you know that somebody's coming to take out your planes? What are you going to do? You're going to move your planes, and he puts the planes into various other parts of the of the country, put them in hiding. So they they did take out a small number of of the Cuban planes. But then these same guys, they don't fly back to Nicaragua. What do they do? They fly these. Cuban painted American planes into Key West, Florida, and they land in Key West, Florida. And then to the media, they're portraying themselves as I were Cuban defectors and who just stole these Cuban planes and were now flying them into the United the States. The revolution is underway. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, Castro is checking his Twitter. I mean, it's does, just uh, bizarro, bizarro stuff here. But Fidel, why is um, uh, invasion of Cuba trending on Twitter right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Bay of Pigs. Yeah, What's well, going on we're here? getting close to that. So anyhow, the you know the initial bombing run, uh, they only had like forty minutes over over Cuba. Forty minutes worth of fuel to be over Cuba. Right, Otherwise, they'd right. potentially be so, going down. They had to fly from Nicaragua, fly to Cuba. Uh, they'd, they'd only have a maximum of 40 minutes over Cuba to, to uh, have their bombing sortie, if you will, and they're bombing stuff that wasn't there because Castro has already moved it out of the way. And then they're flying into uh, they're flying into uh, Key West, Florida and landing and then portraying themselves as uh, um, defectors. Just from like Castro's Sean Connery Cuba. in the, the Hunt for Red October. <laughs> there you go. But uh, now this bombing effort, somewhat successful. OK, they do have some success. But goddamn, Castro is clever. He knows something's coming. He's got to figure that they're going to be trying to take out my Air Force um, and because they're going to attempt this invasion. He knows it's coming because he reads the New York Times. It's not like he had great top intel advisors, right, right. which I'm sure he did. But again, when the New York Times is telling you the game plan, it's kind of hard not to prepare for it. Um, Castro sees that idea is coming and moves many of his planes out of harm's way from the original bomber run. So now this small and clandestine mission is starting to get out of hand here. Uh, advisors are critical of Kennedy's hesitation to engage fully with the full might of the U.S. military. Kennedy himself later regrets the decision out loud, and Castro's own brother um, credited uh, – I apologize, I just screwed up on my own liner. Kennedy himself uh, later regrets this decision out loud to uh, his his brother, RFK. Right. He mentions JFK that he goes – Man, uh, I wish that I would have implemented the naval blockade and used the Navy like we talked about. I would rather be seen as an aggressor than uh, a bum. Right. Because you know, he, he looked really stupid here. Now, uh, 
Castro's own brother. That's where I screwed myself up here. I believe Raul Castro uh, even said that uh, Kennedy could have had us. Literally, Cuba probably would have fallen had they pulled off a, a perfect operation, which in theory they had on paper, right? But the problem was that Kennedy was vacillating back and forth. He goes, ah, I don't want, I don't want them to think I'm a bad guy, but I still kind of want to take their country over. You know, it's like a weird position to be. Right. But Raul Castro openly said that um, it was uh, the revolution uh, uh, definitely was strengthened by the failure of the Bay of Pigs. That right. they, they could have had this. And by the way, the boys from Brigade 2506, they still maintain that they were absolutely betrayed on the beach there because the original game plan was for them. They thought they were just the spearhead of the operation. They're like, oh, there's going to be paratroopers coming in here. There's going to be other waves here. The Marines are going to be backing us up. We're going to have air support. We're going to have a naval block. So everybody is getting... Essentially, yes to death by the CIA. So he was like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, don't worry, we'll get you. We yeah, got you yeah, covered. we got we got you covered. We're the we CIA, got you we're your buddies." Right, right. <laughs> Actually, the Brigade Twenty Five Hundred Six, the Cuban exiles that were trained in uh, in uh, Guatemala, they did have a paratroop uh, uh, contingent with them, but uh, they landed in the wrong place. So um, yes, that that went wrong. A comedy um, of errors. Now that we can laugh about right. it a little bit, and it's still and fucked up. Though. And they were landing at a different beach than what was initially proposed. There was a feint. There was a feint. In other words, uh, an idea that uh, we're going to uh, make them think that we're landing here instead of going over there. Um, and there was some U.S. Marines that were uh, feinting to, uh, to try to trick the Cubans into thinking that they were going to be landing someplace else. And then Kennedy called for a, st- a stand down to the to the U.S. Marines. Um, so um, Things were not going well. As a matter of fact, when the uh, Brigade 2506, the Cuban exiles, were going ashore, they called in for uh, additional air support. And uh, that's when the CIA told them, uh, it's not coming. It's not coming. And uh, I'll let you go with that because there was a great quote. There's a couple of good quotes here. So um, the mission's underway. Too late to stop it now. About 1,200 Cuban exiles armed, trained, and supported by the CIA land at what's known as the Bay of Pigs on April 17th, 1961. The CIA planned the operation poorly. As you said, Dad, support paratroopers that landed in the wrong spot. Coral reefs that they were unaware of because they didn't have the uh, the, the uh, proper uh, nautical map, if you will. Right. Uh, were sinking some of the supplies that were trying to attempt to be brought uh, on shore. And worst of all, this one is – how do you fuck this one up, dude? This is the oversight of oversights. A local radio station – that the CIA must have somehow missed in the Bay of Pigs area was literally watching from their windows as the invasion took place and then reporting all the details over the radio to all of Cuba. Right. So literally, Ming, try to imagine this if you can. All right. You you did a great job here in the studio. We're able to overlook. Um, we, you know, it, 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 we forget that we're on a main drag in Eatontown, New Jersey. But imagine we just start seeing paratroopers landing and the military police are coming up here. And then it's just you just start like, hey, so uh, me and Mike are going to take a break from the episode here to discuss. <laughs> Describe the military coup that's going on outside. Yeah. It was, you would be the boots on the ground for this thing. It would be like Red Dawn. Would have never happened if, uh, <laughs> if we were if they had podcasts back then. Wolverines, go. yeah, avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's going on now, man. The uh, the the boys uh, uh, are landing on the beach. They're trying to get the job done here. Now, keep in mind, most of these guys are not battle tested. A lot of the guys would wind up going on to serve in proper roles as officers and uh, non commissioned officers in the United States military after that. But this is really their first, you know, go at it, if you will. 
The air support had been cut down by Kennedy. Initially, 16 bombers were to be utilized. Kennedy had it scaled back. The number then dropped down to eight. That wasn't his call, but that's what they wound up going with. Another factor was, again, like we said, you only have about 40 minutes of bomb time over Cuba. Otherwise, these guys are going to risk going uh, down in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. So upon landing, the men of Brigade 2506 are skirmishing with the local militia. The militia then sends runners back to inform leadership. And soon Castro's manpower was en route in the full force of his manpower really was en route to crush the resistance. Having moved his planes earlier to evade the CIA bombing mission the day earlier, the Cuban fighter planes begin to now strafe the beachhead. So if you want to draw a picture of fucked. All right. There's that great joke about um, the the guy who sees uh He's walking on the beach and he sees the girl with uh, no arms or legs and she's crying and she goes, no, I've never been fucked before. And he throws her in the ocean. Now you're fucked. Yeah. All right. That's what the boys of uh, Brigade 2506 are. They are absolutely screwed here. You are now stuck. You got your back to the ocean. OK. The terrain is not really you can't really seem to be getting anywhere. The, the, the Literally, I, I watched interviews of people from Brigade 2506 survivors who are saying, we were absolutely trapped there on the beach because you were stuck between the militia. Um, the terrain was not good for them. No, okay? it was a swamp. Yeah, it was a swamper. So then they're pretty much stuck bogged down. And it's just it's a gunfight with the militia. The sea is to your back. And if you attempt to make it uh, back onto the beach or at least attempt to move around, you are now subject uh, subjecting yourself to the machine gun fire of the Cuban Air Force. Right. So they're now able to strafe the beach. I mean, you are pinned down. It is uh, w- welcome to uh, a rock and a hard place. And a lot of your uh, supply ships that were coming in for support got hung up on the coral reef that was on the beach that they didn't know about because the CIA didn't plot that one out. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, the C- keep in mind, the CIA was all on acid and banging hookers and doing coke at this time. <laughs> right. So, you know, they were it was, it's tough to plan a, uh, an invasion and a coup during spring break, uh, even if the spring break lasts over a decade. MK yeah. Ultra, check it out in the back catalog. Uh the evacuation plane, um, I'm sorry, the evacuation plan, I should say, uh, also was completely flawed because uh, I believe it was the Escrambe Mountains that they said that uh, you could get away to. They right. Were trying to tell um, the guys, well, listen, if the invasion really hits a problem, what they'll do is they'll have an organized combat retreat, which would mean that we're still skirmishing, but we're, we're also getting to right. a better uh, position to fight again another day to continue the operation and the proposed revolution. Except one problem, Dad, how far away are these mountains from where the boys landed? Yeah, that was, again, a dullest thing that uh, he assured Kennedy that if the invasion didn't go well, that they could at least retreat into the mountains. But the mountains that he was talking about, 75 miles away. So that's not going to work so well. Just like Dulles Airport, where you got to jump on one of those giant AT-AT walkers like from Star Wars (laughs) in order to transfer from terminal to terminal. You got to go to the other Uh, side of the world to catch your next plane. Jesus, I hate that airport. But... Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's about 70 miles away for these mountains here. The boys are now trapped on the beach, under air fire, underprepared in general. The boys of Brigade 2506 call in more air support, as you said, Dad. Brigade commander, a, a really fascinating guy by the name of Pepe San Roman, uh, calls for jet support immediately. When his request is denied by his CIA handlers, he just responds, You, sir, are a son of a bitch. All right. So uh, you're going to piss off the Cuban people. I don't know if you know this. They have tempers. Yeah. Well, you're making all kinds of promises and then nothing is really coming to uh, come into light as yeah. far as what promises made. It's a uh, it's a wild thing, man. So uh, the, the, the Cuban uh, uh, exiles are now being essentially betrayed on the beach. It, Absolutely. It's, uh, they, they definitely have an axe to grind with this one. Uh, reports are going back to Washington almost in real time here. 
are informing President Kennedy that the measure was doomed to fail. JFK told his, uh, his brother Bobby, like we said earlier, that if he could do this all over again, he would have Rather used the be. Navy. Right. Yeah. He goes, if I get another crack at invading Cuba, here's how we're going to do it next time. Um, but he, he certainly is realizing that he's going to be considered uh, uh, the villain in all this. And like you said, Dad, uh, JFK, to his credit, does allow the, uh, the, the egg to stick to his face here on this one. So... Uh, on April 18th, in a desperate attempt to assist the effort in hopes of maybe salvaging something, JFK authorizes six fighter jets. This one is this is a desperate measure here, but this also just this is really just is where the losing just comes to an all time high right here. Uh, I think you know what I'm about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, go ahead. JFK sends six fighter jets from the USS Essex, a uh, a, a literally an aircraft carrier, uh, in order to provide air cover for the B-26 bombers that were being used by the CIA in uh, uh, bombing missions. The effort fails because the Pentagon failed to factor in the one-hour time difference between the beachhead in Cuba and the B-26 is coming from Nicaragua. So the one-hour time difference is like, is that Chicago time or New York time? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And let's let, let's not forget figuring in daylight savings time because that might have been a a factor. Yeah. And doesn't the military go with a 24-hour clock? Well, anyhow, they screwed that. They screwed the pooch on that Is that one. 11 a.m. or p.m., yeah. man? Dude, it's military time. Right. Get your shit together. Uh, and I think Kennedy's uh, idea was to actually rescue whatever they could pull, rescue survivors and pull them off the beach kind of a thing um, without actually coming in, sending in troops on onto the invasion force. But that failed miserably. Um, well, Kennedy's national security advisor, who, by the way, has the greatest name I've ever heard. This is a baseball name, McGeorge Bundy. So he gives uh, an eloquent quote in, uh, to the president, uh, kind of like that great scene from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights when uh, you have to give uh, the sheriff of Nottingham has to give uh, um, Prince Richard uh, the uh, the news. He goes, well, maybe if you give me the bad news in a good way, it won't seem so bad. <laughs> yeah. So McGeorge Bundy then goes full sheriff of Rottingham and goes, uh, well, the uh, the Cubans are stronger. Uh, the populist response is weaker and our tactical position is feebler than we hoped. Yeah. And Kennedy's like, OK, good job. You did a good job there. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel too, too bad, but I understand that things are not good. So the Cuban invasion was a total failure. This was admitted out loud by Alan Dulles to his good buddy, former vice president, future president, Richard Milhouse Nixon. All right. That, yeah, that can, I know why he's reporting to the uh, former vice president over the failed mission is uh, another little tidbit that uh, mm, leads to some intrigue. Mm. Well, uh, the uh, U.S. Navy destroyers were sent for a rescue mission as a humanitarian effort here, uh, but under strict orders of the president, were only able to get within, uh, during the daytime, five miles from the coast of Cuba, and during the nighttime, two miles away from the coast of Cuba. And this was done in, so in order for them to attempt to pick up survivors. Uh, so I just want to go ahead and break that down for the listeners at home. Right. This humanitarian effort uh, done by Kennedy as a, an attempt to save his, you know, some semblance of his reputation. At least we sent the boys out there to try to do a rescue mission. So any of you boys out in Brigade 2506, if you're able to uh, escape the skirmishing militia, avoid the aircraft guns that are strafing to the beach, make it to the water. Uh, it's just a quick two mile swim at night. And hopefully one of the guys on the destroyer will see you and rescue you. So the only guys who were able to make the escape, by the way, were people who had escaped to uh, further um, uh, coves uh, away from the Bay of Pigs itself. Right. So and that was barely a handful of guys, because, uh, again, we told you the numbers that landed on the beach. When you hear the, the final numbers for 
casualty reports and prisoners taken. It's not good. Um, on April 19th, after being completely let down and abandoned uh, in large part by the CIA, uh, San Roman realizes the futility of their situation. Do you have something, LP? No, I was just going to say that this is after three days of fighting. So they've been on the beach now for, th- for three days being strafed by air- aircraft and uh, militia. And Astro's bringing up more and more forces to uh, face the, the invaders. Yeah, terrible Easter weekend. Um, but it's a rough one, man. Uh, they wind up, uh, at, they have no choice. They surrender to Castro. Uh, the numbers killed on the beach are 114, with over uh, 1,100 being taken prisoner. Now, again, as we said, a major reason why the Cuban people weren't rising up to assist the rebels is because most of them were already, uh, they'd already been taken, taken out. out. Hey, we got to talk to you real quick here. Hey, you got some p- opinions on Castro. And don't get me wrong, we totally understand. This is definitely a democracy. <laughs> so... Um, they'd all either already been thrown into jail or were often executed by Castro and his men. Uh, another additional nine men are going to die during the prisoner transport from the beachhead where the invasion took place into Havana uh, because nine men are thrown. They die of asphyxiation after having been sealed in the back of a truck with no windows and anything like that. So these guys now, oh, finally, I mean, at least the worst of it's over, right, guys? Hey, shouldn't there be a vent or something in here? You know, crack a window for a dog in the yeah. car at least, you know, but... Um, the men are then subjected to lengthy interrogation. Why does it get hot in Cuba? <laughs> well, uh, the, the boys of Brigade 2506 are then subject to uh, lengthy interrogations. I'm sure some forms of torture um, or as uh, Demo Dick Marcinko would refer to it, light torture. Yeah. Uh, the men of Brigade 2506 are then given show trials. Again, kind of like you were saying, Dad, um, like where it's, it's kangaroo courts. OK, show trials. And then all of them are sentenced to life in prison. So congrats on surviving long enough to live out the rest of your life in Cuban prison. Welcome home, guys. Yeah. We missed you here. Uh, Castro uh, does start to uh, – this is where his political maneuvering comes in. Castro really bends the United States over a couple of times and shoves it up their poop hole. Um, Castro decides that he's going to be willing to trade prisoners for farm equipment. I will repeat. Castro is willing to trade prisoners for farm equipment. Go ahead, Dad. No, no, I was just going to say that that's, uh, that's uh, you know, it shows you where the Cuban economy was, that this guy's looking for farm equipment to take over these guys, these political prisoners. It's like if we just left them alone, they would have failed on their own. Yeah. Now, initially, JFK jumped at this idea that you know, we can get these guys back and at least save some face that we're trying to rescue the guys that uh, – we, we put in there in the first place and uh, JFK jumps at the idea that, uh, all right, for, for I think it was like uh, $30 million, um, there was this whole program set up. Now, again, this is not direct U.S. government involvement. This was going to have to come from a, a groundswell of the American people. But he sets up this whole idea of tractors for freedom so that if we supply enough tractor and farm equipment to the Cuban government, to Castro, he's going to release all these uh, all these uh, brigade Jesus uh, died for your sins right. brigade 2506 and died for a tractor he he uh, Kennedy puts none other than former first lady Eleanor Roosevelt in charge of this uh, tractors for freedom uh, command uh, and again this was going to have to be from um, donations from uh, the American populace not from the American government again the American government is not putting any kind of uh, um, compliance to this whole thing, that uh, this was uh, this was none, none of our doing. This was all done in, in secrecy. These are these people mm-hmm. did this all on their own. Uh, 
just a, I thought another little. <clears throat> go ahead, me, go ahead, get it out, sir. Another little loose reception was uh, it was somewhat rumored or suspected that the uh, the um, Moral Castle disaster was uh, a ship that we covered in a previous episode that uh, burnt up uh, off the coast of New Jersey. And it was suspected that uh, the Morrill Castle uh, luxury liner was being used to smuggle guns into Cuba way back when, years before. Uh, and while um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president and those guns were being smuggled into Batista <laughs> to overthrow the government that was in place um, when Batista was the revolutionary in the hills. But anyhow, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt is put in charge of this tractor for freedom thing. It f- it fails. They weren't able to raise enough money. So then um, uh, Castro ups his game. And now it's uh, Christmas Eve uh, in 1962. And uh, he, uh, Castro, uh, makes a new uh, play that uh, for an exchange of $53 million in medicine and food from the U.S., that he would return um, the um, the uh, Brigade 2506 survivors. Now, if Kennedy was a genius, which he was a very smart guy, but what the move would have been would have been to send over $53 million worth of essential oils instead of medicine. <laughs> <laughs> there you so go. Yeah. There you go. These are mood stabilizers. That's guys. right, right. Yeah, yeah, Try burning this candle too. This might help too. Indeed. Um, but, uh, and in and, 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 uh, uh, Castro paints himself that not only am I going to allow these prisoners who are sentenced to life in prison, uh, allow them to come back for the 53 million. As a Christmas bonus, just in the, in the spirit of charity, I'm going to throw in their families, too, so that uh, you know, they don't have to worry about me torturing or, or killing their, their families who are still remain in Cuba. So I would like to. The, yeah. I, I just, he's a really nice guy. That Castro's good. Merry people. Christmas, yeah. Castro. Now, nothing good to say about Castro, uh, except um, that. Oh, by the way, that's uh, whatever that alarm is for. Um, that might be letting me know that it's time to uh, begin for us to wrap up. Thing we're going to land this plane here shortly, guys. But uh, big shout out to Castro for uh, giving us Cuban women in America. <clears throat> very, very happy about that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's important also to mention here too that uh, again he he releases these guys. Uh, the men are going to return home to the Orange Bowl in Miami itself. Actually, so you want to talk about a little college football um, action, you know, in, in its course in American history. Uh, they come to the Orange Bowl where they are greeted by uh, the First Lady and uh, President John F. Kennedy, who has negotiated for their release. Right. To his credit is a, a huge part of that. At the same time, though, the boys of Brigade 2506 are like, this is also the cocksucker that didn't want a bad PR situation on his hands. So let me send these Cuban exiles to go get murdered on the beaches rather than actually support them because I need to make sure that I can win reelection. Yeah, he didn't want to be painted as an aggressor. So oh, let yeah. us uh, let us die. So there's a lot of them that are pissed off. There's a lot of guys in the CIA that are pissed off because now with the failure of the Bay of Pigs, um, I mean, Castro and Cuba now fully and openly endorse the Soviets as allies. And of course, as anyone who knows a little bit of history here, Khrushchev is going to start to begin placing nuclear missiles into Cuba. And 13 days of the Cuban Missile Crisis are about to be well underway. Yeah, not that uh, Kennedy's uh, not wanting to send in the full force of the U.S. military might. He's seen worldwide as he's he's weak, that he really doesn't want to stand up to uh, Khrushchev. And that just 
enables Khrushchev to go uh, bigger and bolder. Uh, it was shortly after the the failure of the of the Bay of Pigs that now Mr. Khrushchev is building a wall in Berlin and uh, dividing that that city in, into uh, sectors. I mean, so things are are just continuing to escalate, and, and Khrushchev is getting bolder and bolder. There's there's a lot of things that are happening worldwide with this with this whole. Kennedy's thing. got a little bit of an Irish temper, though. He comes in a little bit calm, trying to be restrained, figuring everything out. But now you just made him look real bad. So now him and Bobby are just pissed, and you got this Irish temper now, where it's very slow to rise, but once it's there, boom, and it's going to be. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of heads are rolling administration wise. Yeah, uh, President Kennedy. President Kennedy. Uh, accepts the blame for this failed thing. It's not it's no longer a big secret that, uh, you know, the U.S. didn't have any involvement with this. So he accepts the blame. But that's publicly. But behind closed doors, everybody knew that the CIA was the the one that really screwed the pooch on this whole thing um, by giving him false information or misleading information or just reassuring him that this is this is going to be a success with with the limited resources that we're putting in there. And it turns out not so much. So, you know, um, um, you fooled me once, but you're not going to fool me again. Exactly. And then Khrushchev becomes bolder and bolder. As I say, the, the Berlin Wall is now put up because of the this whole Bay of Pigs thing that Kennedy's looking like a, looking like a weakling, and then that emboldens Khrushchev even to go even further. And he, now he's putting uh, missile bases into Cuba, and that leads us right up to the to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, that um, this vindicates that's where, JFK in a lot of ways. Because right. I mean, this time he does not vacillate; he stands firm, right. and, that's, and Russia backs down. That's probably the the high point of. Uh, uh, the Kennedy administration at that, you know, he, he stood up to Khrushchev and that came to that whole uh, brinkmanship uh, that you were speaking to earlier that, uh, you know, there's a, a great quote um, from Kennedy about, you know, they were nose to nose and the other guy blinked. Well, yep. The other guy that blinked was Khrushchev. Yep. Because even that, again, they were still afraid of um, they weren't as afraid of Kennedy as they were of the, the later uh, as this, this is from Russian intel that this comes from that cowboy Reagan. They were scared shitless of Reagan, man. But they definitely realized that this JFK guy, maybe he's not the illiterate playboy uh, millionaire that we thought he was. Maybe this guy's got uh, some some. He's some got balls. some cojones. <laughs> some, yeah. So uh, and also he does sour on many of his advisors after Bay of Pigs. Uh, many of them are fired and or forced to resign. Dulles included. Dulles, actually, if you want to talk about a mafia hit where it's uh, it's nothing personal, it's just business. Uh, there's a photo of Dulles shaking hands with Kennedy, who just gave him a medal, a, an award. And the very next day, the White House had a, uh, a resignation letter leaked out that was signed by Dulles. It was like, hey, by the way, so listen, you're fired. You're a fucking disgrace. Uh, you're never going to work um, for me again here. I'm going to give you an award on your way out. And then you need to right. sign this. Otherwise, we can do this the ugly way. We're going to glad hand you with a with an award. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that's your uh, your parting gift. Here's your lifetime <laughs> but achievement don't let award. The doorknob, don't let the doorknob hit you in the ass on the way out. Yeah. Now, you want this lifetime achievement award. Uh, would you like that to be uh, pinned on you in a photo op and then you can retire quietly? Or would you like this to be in memoriam? <laughs> yeah. There you go. But in, uh, in as we're starting to wrap up here, um, it's very interesting to me that Dulles winds up, by the way, returning. We covered this in the, the MK Ultra episode. Uh, Dulles returns to Washington, D.C. after being uh, kicked out of uh, the government, if you will, by Kennedy, uh, returns under the presidency of Lyndon Bain Johnson in an official role as one of the investigators of the Warren Commission. 
And anyone who knows anything about history would know that the Warren Commission was the official investigation into the JFK assassination. So now a guy that Kennedy fired and got rid of, who was uh, essentially the head spook of spook network in right. the CIA, um, is going to be brought in. And oh, of course, he's going to be an impartial investigator. And he's going to make sure that everything gets covered up. And there's definitely no CIA ties to the potentiality of maybe JFK being taken out from within. Right. From maybe the giant intel agency that he completely pissed off and boxed out and started breaking down, reducing the powers of post Bay of Pigs. Right, Dad? <laughs> right, Dad? No. Right, Dad? Couldn't have been right, anything Dad? like that. Couldn't have been anything like that. Or to, to uh, put Dulles in charge of the, of the Warren Commission investigation to make sure that no further CIA secrets are leaked. That uh, Yeah, two men wearing sunglasses and suits are outside the studio right now waiting to speak with Ming. That's so, right. Uh, <laughs> Time to put the tinfoil hat on. But we're going to land this plane now, guys. Um, it's uh, There's also an interesting rumor here, too, that the original topic of this episode we were going to do was a guy by the name of David Ferry, who, for those who like movies, is played by uh, um, Joe Pesci in Oliver Stone's JFK. Um, and he is a, he was an open gay guy, right? Um, uh, for the time, that being kind of revolutionary in and of itself. Uh, and then in the movie The Irishman, Joe Pesci is talking about when he sends De Niro to go drop off trucks down for the Bay of Pigs invasion, that he right. drives a truck that's mob money is being used to send uh, uh, equipment down to the boys for the Bay of Pigs. Uh, Pesci has a line where he goes, you're going to go down and meet a ferry named Ferry. So Pesci is then almost being self-referential to an earlier role he played in a different movie. But this is a real life guy. And uh, David Ferry was uh, is rumored to have been heavily involved with the Bay of Pigs, as well as being a suspect or a person of interest in the later assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, which leads many to believe that the president had been killed as revenge of sorts for uh, what he did to the CIA. Or was it boys from Brigade 2506 that were a little extra pissed off? Was it the mafia down in New Orleans because Bobby Kennedy was starting to break down their power? I mean, there was a lot of enemies that were had to, down there. But yeah. definitely Bay of Pigs keeps coming up all the time in this conversation as to why JFK winds up being assassinated. So, um, yeah. And then David hit Ferry. Me with anything you want to wrap no, up? No, David too. Ferry. Um, was also recruited by our own E. Howard Hunt. So E. Howard Hunt is that guy in the background that after the Bay of Pigs, he also uh, steps down that uh, he's he's out. He resigns from the from the CIA in 1970. So he's out. but he now goes into private business, if you will. So he's still doing some secret spy stuff. And then uh, once Nixon comes into office, he is hired by the Nixon administration as an advisor. And, you know, again, Nixon goes all the way back to Eisenhower as the vice president when this whole um, Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba was was cooked up. So Nixon is bringing in some of his old old chums. Mm-hmm. And the, the intrigue that goes involved with, with all of these guys is so interconnected with uh, E. Howard Hunt, with David Ferry, with Richard Nixon, with the whole mob connection, because Ferry was also involved with um, providing uh, the flight to bring the mob boss back into Louisiana uh, that Robert Kennedy uh, ousted out, out of power. So it, it is just... So many different things that are going on here with uh, um, 
And another with, little with all note, of this. too, being that uh, David Ferry is a member of the Civil Air Patrol yes, and happens to have another fella in the same Civil Air Patrol as him, maybe a few years younger than him. The two claim to not know each other, and yet there's a photo that was found by Frontline, a television show. I think this came out in 1993, that uh, in the photo is one David Ferry, a man who was suspected of involvement in uh, the Bay of Pigs and the JFK assassination in a photo with Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald. The man who is uh, credited with uh, the murder of uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. So uh, I do want to say two things here real quickly as we're wrapping up. And any other points you have, Dad, um, just think of them real quick so that we can get Ming out of here. So <laughs> Ming wants to be back. He's got a, a kickoff at 1 p.m. So we're trying to get him in for it. But um, – very interestingly enough, um, there are two things that happen. So they don't give up on Cuba after this. Uh, Operation Mongoose gets signed off on by Kennedy. All right. And that includes the the following hilarious um, Simpsons episode-esque attempts to uh, handle uh, our, our pal down in uh, uh, Cuba. Um, an exploding cigar to assassinate Castro with uh, is put into motion. Does not work. Poisoned ice cream. Um, the guy who was charged with putting the cyanide pills into his ice cream stored them for convenience in a freezer and then froze the pills and the pills were then no longer useful. So we gave frozen. Right. <laughs> they got stuck to the freezer coils exactly. and he couldn't get them out of the freezer to put them into Shit. his ice cream. Why is yeah. this always me? I, I, I found some research that's saying that there was. Don't leave out his poison wetsuit we gave him. Hey, America just sent you a, a, right. a wetsuit, Fidel. He, he, he likes, uh, Castro likes to go scuba diving, so uh, they make sure that he gets. It's a poison wetsuit that if he puts this wetsuit on, he's going to die. There was also an exploding shell that uh, was a scheme that was cooked up that uh, if Castro picked up this shell while he's scuba diving, the thing would explode. There was also. This was a wild E. Coyote. Was th- yeah, there was uh, there was these. another one that got me that uh, um, for him to lose face that they were going to put um, some kind of a liquid into his slippers. So as he's wearing the slippers and the bare feet, it was going to make his beard fall out. That he was going to lose all the hair on his body. So his his uh, Castro revolutionary beard was going to fall out, and he was going to lose face with the with the uh, Cuban people. Um, I read something that there was probably over uh, uh, Castro's lifetime there was at least four hundred and sixty four different assassination attempts on on Castro or some some way of uh, humiliating Castro to oust, oust him from power. But, uh, you know, the guy had uh, more than nine lives as a, of a cat that uh, somehow he was always able to uh, dodge it. So I'll say this then. If you're if you're starting to feel like maybe America is just going crazy to go after this guy. Now, Castro is not a good guy. OK, a lot of human rights violations, a lot of murders in the streets, a lot of secret police, a lot of bad stuff going on over there. OK, so there's nothing really good about Castro. Now, America looks stupid in the constant efforts to try to take him out that keep failing because then we look stupid. We look like Wiley Coyote going after the Roadrunner. Um but this one particular thing here, because America does have the moral high ground in a lot of this, as much dark shit as we were doing, the CIA is not your friend, but American diplomacy at least attempts to. All right. Um, now, this is the one that scares the shit out of me, and this should make Ming nervous on the way out, too, I think. Um, this is declassified. This is 100% true. Uh, again, about nine minutes on Wikipedia can uh, um, prove to you some of the shit you just wish you didn't know. Okay, I got a little bit nervous last night as I was reading this and we joke we do have tinfoil hats here today. Um, The Joint Chiefs of Staff under Kennedy uh, put together a 
plan known as Operation Northwoods. Okay, and the goal of Operation Northwoods was going to be that uh, U.S. Special Forces, probably CIA agents, were going to go under deep cover into specifically the Miami area, where they were going to start bombing targets, maybe assassinating uh, anti-Castro um, demonstrators, uh, making a show of things, attacks on civilian targets. And in order to do so, they were going to have credit taken by um, Castro's Cuban regime. That They were saying these acts are being carried out in the name of Castro. And the intention was this create a false flag that would then galvanize American support for a full-on war with Cuba, which would actually allow them to take part in the, the full-on land invasion. Unfortunately, this is going to require the CIA to start taking out some uh, acceptable losses, if you will, where they were going to start taking out American uh, civilians. This is going to be wars on civilians. People are going to die. Bombs are going to go off. Guns are going to be fired. Uh, and this would have been Operation Northwoods. Again, that you can look all this shit up, right? It's declassified. I have the documents. Yeah, and this uh, was not going to be in Cuba. This was going to be on American shores. Exactly. This is in Florida. Uh, a lot of the targets in Miami. And uh, that idea would have was completely shot down by JFK. He goes, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about with this evil Machiavellian video game shit you're trying to pull? So he shuts that one down. That could have also just been another thing that really alienated the generals and the CIA from JFK, where they, the, the, there's some theories that they potentially advocated for his removal uh, from office um, via gunshots in Dallas. Um, but interestingly enough, as I'm wrapping up here, if you have anything else you want to say, Dad, now's the time. Otherwise, we're going to get no, Ming the hell out of no, here. We got to get him out. We're this done. was fantastic research, LP. Loved it. Okay. I hope uh, I hope that we got that guy in the YouTube comments. Uh, I hope we finally gave you enough information on your free show. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. And uh, we are all over the place, too, but not not when Kahuna is not here. Kahuna came in the other day. He was so excited. I think he gave us uh, Kahuna asked for the end of the movie before we started with the opening credits. And I was like, Kahuna, give me a fucking second of work here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Let's set something up anyhow. <laughs> I love that boy, though. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it was worth mentioning uh, and noting here uh, that the CIA does finally put out a full assessment and thorough report of the failures of the uh, Bay of Pigs invasion in order to learn from what's going on. And decide that uh, it's, you know, uh, well, moving forward, here's what we're going to learn. Here's some takeaways from the <laughs> right, failed right, Bay of right. Pigs invasion. And essentially, if you read the report, it could just be summarized in the cliff notes of saying, yeah, we fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. To put it in uh, in their terms, it, it wasn't a failure. It was a learning experience. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. So good teachable moment here for there you. There you go. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, uh, Ming for being behind the ones and twos today here on a Sunday morning. I want to say thank you to Mike Zapsik for uh, whatever it is that you do here. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Ming's not sure either. I'm teasing the great Mike Zapsik and uh, Ming put together this fun place for us to, to dick around and uh, bring guests and, uh, and tell weird stories from American history, which is what we love to do. So uh, I, I am hoping you guys are going to be able to stay open uh, throughout uh, whatever is coming around the corner here for us. But uh, this is definitely the home of American Loser. So it's important to us that uh, you guys take care of the studio. So um, support them if you can. Support other shows from the network. Uh, if you can, uh, I do want to I want to make a correction here. My buddy, uh, Mike Harrington, uh, he did not win an MMA fight. Uh, he won a boxing match, straight up boxing. And uh, looked pretty damn good doing it, too. So shout out to my buddy, Mike Harrington, over at the Great Gas Digital Studios. Uh, again, this was a two-parter here, guys, but we did not want to try to reduce this down to a 90-minute episode because we filled the two hours. Sorry, Ming. <laughs> um, 
LP, outstanding research. Shout out to Sandy Burke, my beautiful mother who got us the book Failures of the Presidents by uh, Thomas J. Crowell. Uh, really a fantastic book. Uh, and this was this is Kennedy's the, the black eye on his entire administration as well remembered as he is. Uh, there is no excuse for uh, the Bay of Pigs, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born, loser, the day I was born.